Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're gonna be talking about part three of the Melanie Gibb interview that she did with Nate Eaton of East Idaho News. I have already done part one and two, and you can see the links in the description below. In part three, there's still a lot of important nuggets of information, so we're gonna do a little mini deep dive and take a look at that. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button and hit that notification bell. Please do hit that notification bell to all, as a lot of people aren't getting notified of my videos. Please click the like button if you support this video and share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. So at the beginning of part three, Melanie Gibb talks about Tammy Daybell dying and she said she found out from one of her friends via text. And Nate asks, so did you think that was part of the plan? And Melanie says, I didn't know how they did it, but I knew it was part of the plan that she was supposed to pass away. I mean, other people knew that she was supposed to pass away because Chad knew this information for quite a while. So a few things here that makes me curious. Melanie finds out about Tammy's death through one of her friends and not Lori. And in part two, I talked about when Charles died that Lori didn't say anything to Melanie for a full four days and then calls her. This is supposedly Lori's best friend. So this gets me questioning more. Maybe Lori knew that Melanie would question Lori about what happened and would be skeptical and maybe that's why Lori avoided her. Because a 49-year-old woman doesn't just die in her sleep. And the information that Chad supposedly got from the other side of the veil was that Tammy would die in a car accident. And so I could see how Lori would avoid Melanie. And Lori seemed to avoid quite a few people, especially when there's a lie to tell. With Charles, she lied to Colby, she lied to JJ's school about Charles, she didn't tell Melanie for four days, and on and on. And now Tammy dies. So she wouldn't want anyone to question her, so Melanie has to find out from one of her friends. And oops, it's not a car accident. But I do also wonder if Tammy knew about Chad seeing this information or having this information from the other side of the veil or if he alluded to it at all. I think I read somewhere that he didn't tell Tammy but we really don't know if she knew something or if he alluded to it. So then Nate asks what do you think when Chad and Lori quickly fled to Hawaii and he mentioned that Melanie actually got pictures through email of their wedding. And she says their whole goal was to get together because you know they expressed to me many times that Tammy would be okay with this as she passed on. She may not remember now that she passed on. She had a mission to fulfill on that side, meaning the veil. So he felt that they both felt that was where she was supposed to go was to move on and fulfill that mission. And of course, right, of course they're going to feel that this is what's supposed to happen because it fits right into their plan. I mean, let's just justify why Tammy died. This was supposed to happen. And later into this interview, Melanie mentioned how impatient Lori is and how bad she wanted to be with Chad. So I'm sure that once Lori got to Rexburg and sees Chad go home every single night home to his wife, Tammy, and then the car accident isn't happening and definitely not fast enough, plan B has to take place, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Let me know in the comments below.
Melanie goes on to say, so it didn't seem unusual to either one of them that she passed on because that was part of the plan that they were going to be together. So then Nate talks about communicating with Chad and Lori after the welfare check and Melanie talked about how she called them while she was driving to Arizona and she pulled on the side of the road and did a little prayer with them because she said she was concerned about the safety because that's what they led me to believe. So she talked with them, she pulls over, says a little prayer, and then she says Chad was acting nervous. And then Nate has the best line again in this interview. He says, but Chad was nervous, but Lori was acting like it was any other day. <laughs> I love that line. And we see that with Lori. It's very odd. Here's a picture of her mere minutes or hours after Charles's death. Here's Lori while her two children are missing or dead. And Chad being nervous, especially around the police officers, because he says he doesn't know Lori's phone number, barely acted like he even knew Lori, even though at this point he's married to her and his former wife is dead, so it's not like she's going to find out. And what are you so nervous about, Chad? Oh yeah, because you know where the kids are and you had a hand in what happened to them, in my opinion. He also lies to the authorities as to when he last saw JJ, yet he tells his own children and family that Lori is an empty nester and that she doesn't have any minor children. Yeah, not anymore, right? So Melanie calls Lori and Chad back, she says, and she said that there's something going on that's awfully wrong. So she calls Lori on Chad's phone because she said she wasn't sure that Lori's phones were working. And in part one, I talked about the burner phones and Melanie mentioned that she knew that Lori had three different phones. So on the phone call, she says, could you just please tell us where the kids are if they are safe? And in the interview, she actually changes and says, I think the first question was, why haven't you told us where the kids are? But I do wish we would have got a little bit more on this when she says, could you please tell us where the kids are if they are safe? Because maybe there's more of an answer to that. And Lori says, well, for your safety, we cannot tell you. And Melanie says that was alarming. And also in that statement, she said they wouldn't answer us. And I'd like to know who's us because she talked about a friend. And I wonder if that's Jason Mao who did the podcast with Melanie and also was a friend of all of them. And he's also an ex-police officer. So I was just wondering who's us. So speaking of police, she said that she talked to police after that and then had a conversation again with Lori and Chad about being concerned for them and their salvation, the things that you've done. She said, this is not light, this is darkness. And Lori admitted that yes, she did lie about JJ. And Melanie said, I was very uncomfortable talking to her. It was a very disturbing conversation. Melanie on this call actually called Chad and Lori evil and she said they didn't like that very much. And that was the last time that she talked to them. Then Nate brought up about Alex dying and Melanie said that the bishop called her up and asked why there are cop cars outside of Zulema's home and then ended up telling Melanie that Alex died. And I wonder if this bishop 
if that was Gabe that was shown on body cam with Charles back in July because he said my bishop's with me so I see this name Bishop again so I'm wondering oh is that Gabe and Melanie goes on to say that she had very different ideas what happened to Alex and then she says and this is important she says he did realize I was going to tell the police that was made known to him so Nate talked a little bit about Lori and Alex's relationship and how close they were and Melanie says I think that he would do a lot of things for her and we've seen that a lot basically Alex has been her protector of sorts then Nate goes on to say okay you see them in Hawaii what do you think about the video when you saw me going up and talking to them at the resort and Melanie says, so when I saw that, I had many feelings. I thought this does not look good for her. Some of the thoughts I had is if these kids, if you really do believe your children are being harmed or you think that they are going to be kidnapped and you're worried about them, you would be happy to tell anybody and everybody and the police about that. You would not not talk. She says, I didn't think it looked good. It just made her look more guilty, both of them. And remember at this point, Melanie spent a lot of time with Lori up to this point. And she knows her behavior isn't normal and she's suspicious now. And she's saying, look, my best friend is looking super guilty. Why is that? So I think what she's saying here is a very valid point and an important one. So Nate says, where do you think the kids are? And this is, this is the toughest thing out of the whole three-part series she says they're not on this planet anymore I don't think they are that's my personal opinion and I gotta say after how many months of following this story this point right here is where my heart completely sank and I'm sure for those of you who have watched this you probably are thinking or feeling the same and this is the first time that we've heard anybody in Lori's inner circle say something like this. Not the, oh, if Lori did something, I'm sure she has a plan. Lori always has a plan. I'm sure that the kids are safe. There's a reason why she's not talking. But to me, this is the most critical statement in the almost nine months that these kids have been missing. And I have held out hope for so long you can see in my previous videos I keep saying I don't know maybe they're in a bunker maybe they're hidden and then I start teetering with the different information that's coming but after this it's super hard for me not even to do this video without tearing up um, because and cry for Tylee and JJ because um, uh, because someone so close to Lori and Chad uh, know something more than we don't and I'd really like to know what Colby is going to do or say in all of this because I really feel for him. He's been in the dark for so long about what Lori's been up to and his mother has betrayed him in so many ways and this really is the ultimate betrayal. Now Melanie goes on to talk about the kids and she says if they are in a safe place why is she having a great time on her honeymoon when her children are running for safety or hiding in safety? That doesn't even make sense. And we all agree. Nate says, do you think Alex was somehow involved in wherever they are with the disappearance? 
She says, I think it's possible. Then Nate brings up the other Melanie. He brings up Lori's mom, Janice, and Lori's sister, Summer, and says, well, what about how they're talking about that Lori always has a plan and, you know, the kids are safe and that kind of thing. And she says, I think that they want to believe Lori and they want to be a support to her. And we did see a little bit of them commenting, well, you know, no, Lori would never be like this. And Alex, he would never be like this. Yet they also said in the same breath, Janice said, well, I didn't even know Alex got married or moved back to Arizona. So there's a lot that they don't know. And so I think this is going to come to a shock for the people that don't have a clue and not so much that they do have a clue. Melanie says about doing this interview, she says she's happy to help those who are suffering. She said she was worried about what people were going to say about her. She said it was hard at times and there was an intense fear and she couldn't even eat. And I can understand that because it's probably not the easiest thing to come forward about all these crazy beliefs and ideas and that she was associated with them. She says she felt betrayed and Nate asked, did Lori and Chad betray others? And she said, yeah, and, and especially to those who have passed on. It says, if you look at the circle of people that surround Chad and Lori, there's five people dead or either missing. That's not really a good indication that people in their inner circle are safe, you know? Their inclusive family members are safe. You do the math, I mean, right? And Nate asks, do you think you would ever be on that zombie list. And she says, well, maybe now I might be. But she says she's not concerned for her safety. And I would agree with her that maybe now she is on that zombie list. Maybe now after she's coming out on television that she would be considered a zombie. And so, Melanie, if you are watching this video, I know you said you're not concerned about your safety in Nate's interview, but I urge you to be careful, especially talking about Chad and how you still care for him and you still love him and you think he's a nice guy. Because he isn't behind bars yet. And as manipulative as he's been, he may try to reach out and talk to you and use your feelings that you have towards him for his own personal gain. So please be careful because as you said, they've done some pretty horrible things and you even said that they're evil. So I wouldn't put it past Chad until at least he's in jail. Now, Nate goes on to talk about Brandon Boudreaux and about how he had somebody shoot at him. He says, how did you find out that someone had taken a shot at him? And Melanie says, so that was interesting. And I totally agree with her at this point as it being interesting because she tells some very interesting information in this little tidbit about the situation. And I've been working on a video actually involving Brandon Boudreaux on that day he was shot at and this is the final piece of the puzzle that I needed. Let me know if you'd like to see that video in the comments below. Now, Melanie says, Alex and Melanie Boudreaux, Lori's niece, asked Melanie Gibb to go check on Brandon's house. And Melanie Gibb says it was because Melanie Boudreaux was concerned about her children. So Melanie Gibb goes to Brandon's house to check, but the neighbor says Brandon and the kids moved out two weeks ago and it's a good thing because Brandon was shot at. So Melanie says this is 
news to me, right? And in the 911 call of Brandon's, we do hear him say that he had just moved to a new place. So Melanie Gibb goes back to Alex and Melanie Boudreaux to tell them what happened and mentions the shooting. And Alex says, oh yeah, we heard about that. He got shot at, but we believe that somebody tried to take a shot to make it look like it was us or me. And Nate says, well, do you think it was Alex? And Melanie looks very confident. She says, from what I have heard, it sounds like it. And here's another interesting part. Why would Alex and Melanie Boudreaux ask Melanie Gibb to go and check on the children? Why wouldn't Melanie Boudreaux go check for herself, even from afar? Because here's what I think. They needed Melanie Gibb to go and check for them. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So they could get their butt covered in my opinion, because Brandon got shot at two weeks after he moved into his new place. And it just so happens to be, and I'd love to find out the specific date, this is the same time that Melanie went to go check on the kids at Brandon's old house. So yeah, okay, Melanie and Alex. Nice try, but stay tuned for that video, cause that's gonna be a good one. So Nate brings up July 22nd, 2020, the second coming, and asks, is the world going to end that day? And Melanie says, no, the world is not going to end that day. She says, so let me just back up a little bit to help you understand why all these people died and all these people started missing. That's kind of sloppy work, you know. She says, it's obvious that the kids are missing, so wouldn't you be concerned that people would notice? That was my thought is like, why? But the belief system was that she believed that there was going to be an earthquake that was going to hit so large in Utah that by the end of 2019, that they wouldn't notice anything in her personal life going on. Or if she were to marry Chad, for example, she said that like probably a year before that, she says, when Chad and I get married someday, nobody will notice that we are married because of the earthquake and the different destruction going on. She goes on to say, so as I now understand that the kids are now, she totally pauses and then says, missing. She chooses that word very carefully and then she pauses again. She says that she felt confident doing that, thinking that nobody would notice and that's why it was kind of done in a sloppy way. I mean, that's how I see it, she says, is kind of like, you know, that wasn't very orchestrated very well. So a few things on this little tidbit. Lori is saying that she believed an earthquake was going to happen in Utah by the end of 2019, which it didn't. Chad's little premonitions have been a little faulty. Charles not dying in a car accident, Tammy not dying in a car accident, earthquake not happening. So I hope Chad got some tools for Christmas so he can fix his faulty portal. So Lori is saying that no one will notice anything that's happening because Utah is going to have such a big earthquake 
that nobody would notice her doing anything. But Lori lives in Idaho, so what does this have to do with Utah? And could this mean that the kids are in fact in Utah, whether they are alive or not? This makes me start to think differently now than the Yellowstone theory or any of that, because if there's a big earthquake happening in Utah and nobody's gonna notice what's going on because there's a huge destruction, then was Lori planning on taking the kids to Utah? Kind of like how Tammy was buried in Utah as well? This is concerning. And I hope the authorities are looking at this. I'd like to know if they went to Utah or somehow if they could find out they went to Utah. We do know that Chad went to Utah after Tammy died. We do know that Tammy's buried in Utah in Springville, and we know Chad used to work as a gravedigger in Springville. And I'd like to know if the kids went to Springville or somewhere else in Utah at this point. Also, Utah did have an earthquake, but that was this March 2020. And Lori is in jail at this point. But I'd like to know Chad's actions right after this earthquake happened and where he physically was. Not his portal, but where he actually was and where he traveled right after. Because I wonder if he had other plans as well once this earthquake happened. Has he done other things? Because now he sees this as a sign that people will be distracted and it creates a diversion for him so he could do more things. What else are you up to, Chad Daybell? The other thing I want to mention in this is she said the kids are now and then she pauses for quite some time and then says missing. I'm pretty sure, in my opinion, that's not the word she wanted to use, only because she did say that she no longer believes that they're on this planet anymore. So I think she chose her words carefully. She just said missing to be kind and not say that they're dead or whatever her reason was. So now back to the second coming. Lori apparently did research about the second coming and the year 2020 and how that would be a half an hour silence in heaven and it matched up to 2020. Melanie said that Lori had concluded herself that day that something was going to happen. Then Nate starts talking about the Lori back then versus the Lori now and Melanie explains that it's hard. She thinks about Lori's daily life in jail and how she's not free and before she was free and fun loving. And she says, now there's no freedom. She said she's not the happier person that she once was and that none of the things that Lori's wanted has come to pass. And she said it must be very painful for her and it's quite a contrast from what Lori would want or hoped for. And then she goes on to talking about Chad and Chad claiming to be the visionary that he was and she believed he was a visionary and that he does have this gift, but she says, I would think that if he was such a visionary, like he was portraying him with my friends and with Lori, that he would have saw this coming. This is big. He would have saw this one and I don't understand how he didn't see it. So here's where her doubts start coming into play. Now, Nate talks about the courtroom and her being a witness and Melanie says she still feels love in her heart and it's gonna be hard to see her in her jail outfit and Lori not be as pretty as she would want to be. 
but Melanie says she is sorrowful for all those people that have had to pass away. Just interesting words there that have had to pass away. It's not looking good. She says, these doctrines are dangerous and look what they led to. They led to people dying. If that doctrine was not revealed, I have said this once, but I want to emphasize that then these people wouldn't have died. And Nate says, well, a lot of people think that Lori's kind of leading Chad along, but based on this conversation, it sounds like Chad is kind of how you would describe it. And Melanie says, I often see him as the hand and her is the puppet on the hand, and I don't know if that's completely how I want to describe it, but that's the kind of idea. They're two people that have a lot of passion for a lot of things, and they think a lot alike as far as spiritual ideas go, like killing people and zombies, and he comes across as reserved and quiet, and she is not. And so I can see how people could see that, but I think ultimately, I think they both are just as equally bad for each other. And I do agree with her on that because it does look like in the beginning about Lori, but I've said this before in previous videos, when we start getting to know how Chad's involved in this, it starts looking more and more like he's not so innocent. Melanie talks about how Lori knows her scriptures and had a great love for the gospel, but clearly not enough because she had to go make a whole other set of beliefs to fit her narrative. Nate says, what do you think should happen to them if they are found guilty of doing something to the children or Tammy's death? And Melanie says, well, whatever the punishment in our country, whatever jail time or whatever, they just shouldn't be back out. When you take people's life, that's serious. So they don't have a right to come out and hurt other people. It's safer and they're in a place that they can't influence other people. And when she says, when you take someone's life, that's serious so they don't have a right to come out and hurt other people, Melanie has been very careful throughout this entire interview. She's saying a lot though here. She's saying more in these five words of when you take someone's life than Melanie Boudreaux, aka Melanie Pulowski did in her entire 6,000 interviews, in my opinion. I feel like Melanie P knows more and she's not saying. And this segment is very important, again, in my opinion. What do you think? Let me know in the comments below. So then they talked a little bit about Melanie's podcast, how it's her idea. Lori came on as a guest, so did Chad. And in part two, she talked about talking to a close friend until five in the morning. So I wonder if that was Jason Mao, who was that ex-police officer, like I mentioned, that she had on her podcast. He's the same person that urged Lori, allegedly, to go to the cops after Charles stole her purse. So next, she speaks to the people that love Lori and Chad, and she directly says, if I am remembered to the person that loved the group of people that are in trouble, to know that being deceived can be very dangerous, and listening to your own revelation, not people's, is very important. Not letting people tell you what to do for your journey to really seek personal revelation yourself. And Nate says, well, do you want to say anything to Chad's kids? And she says she's feeling for their journey. She has no desire to say anything hurtful. Uh, she said this is truthful. She cares about Chad's kids and so does Tammy. She goes on to say that she knows that Chad's kids met Lori and Lori had them at her town home for cookies after the funeral. And according to Lori, the kids fell in love with her. That's what Melanie said. 
She said, so I can see why they would like her because she was so excited to meet them and she was very loving and she just takes them in like Velcro almost, almost to the point she doesn't let you go. And so she has that personality. And so I'm sure that it's hard to know who to believe and I really want them to know that it's really hard for me to talk about their dad because I really like Chad. I think he's a good guy, but his teachings, they're dangerous. So I want to bring up Lori for a second. Do you not find this a little bit psycho? I mean, they've both been cheating on their spouse for about a year. Charles dies, so Lori's free. But then Chad is still cheating because he's still married to Tammy. And then Tammy dies. Then Chad lies to his kids and family that Lori is an empty nester and that she has no minor children. And then after the funeral, Lori has them all over for cookies. And Chad said that he met Lori on a business trip when he was in Hawaii. So there's all kinds of lies. I mean, it, you can't even make this up. So Chad's kids are all over at this house at the end of October. So here's the weird thing. One of the neighbors said that JJ's toys were still outside. Well, wouldn't the kids wonder whose toys those are if Lori doesn't have any minor children? And we do know a lot of the kids' stuff were in the storage unit at the beginning of October, but there was a few things still left there, according to the neighbor. Something that I'm thinking about. And the image that comes to mind about these darn cookies, they might as well be cupcakes, where's the kids? But the image that comes to mind is the perfect little housewife vision of her smiling and having cookies and all offering these poor kids whose mom just sadly died in her sleep. Oh kids, here, I can be your new mom. Want a cookie? I can make it better. Like this is disgusting in my opinion. Meanwhile, Lori's two youngest children are missing and or dead and she doesn't seem to be looking for them. And her oldest son, Colby, who at this point doesn't even know that his brother and sister are missing, nor does he know that Lori's about to get married to this whack job. But yet, Lori is so kind and so loving and is just like Velcro. All I have to say, kids, is run, children, run. And also, when I think about this, what this also means if the children are in fact not on this planet anymore, is that Lori and Chad not only potentially killed them or if Alex was involved, but then they would have to get rid of the evidence. And then she's serving cookies to Chad's children and probably Chad's grandkids because he has grandkids too. And then they get married and play the ukulele and hula dance while all these people are dying. It's absolutely sickening. So now, this is looking even worse for Lori and Chad. And in one of my previous videos, I did question why Lori would put all the kids' stuff in storage if she has all this room in her empty townhome. And now it's looking more and more like she did have the plan about Tammy dying and that the kids are going to come over, so we gotta get rid of that stuff so they're not seeing it and make it look like the kids aren't there. And 
I call BS on Melanie Boudreaux's interview when she said that she saw Tylee in JJ's room and all that was perfect. I think she saw it the first time when she came to visit, earlier in the months before, but not when she came down at the end of October. Stay tuned for that expose. Let me know what you think in the comments below. So Nate says, well, if Chad's watching, what would you say to him? She says, I still care for you and Lori. This is really painful what you're going through, but God has always taught us to be honest. There's no exceptions to those rules. And when you walk with peace, even if you're guilty and you confess, there's a peace that comes from telling the truth. I know I have that peace because I've come forward because people passed away and I'm grateful they actually lied to the police because it made me have to face it. And I think a lot of people are going to get upset at that line, but I do understand from what I think she's saying is that I'm grateful because now I realized all what's going on and, you know, this all has been stopped. She goes on to say about how Lori doesn't have patience and that it led to a fatal attraction. She called this quite a few times, fatal attraction. She says it was the fatal attraction. They seemed to love each other a lot and they just couldn't wait to be together. And no obstacles are too big for them, apparently. She also dresses Lori and says that she loves her. They have a lot of fun together and laughed a lot. She said she's so sorry that Lori's been deceived by Chad and that Lori's also been deceived by people on the other side of the veil pretending to be good when they're not. She says Lori got tricked. She does get teary in this part of the interview about how Lori's in jail and how she thinks of her in there every day. But she says there's always hope and she always has hope for people. Nate says, well, she could end a lot of this if she would just speak and say where the kids are. And Melanie says, I don't know if she will. It doesn't look like it. As long as she holds on to this beliefs or these beliefs, she probably won't. So in this interview, more and more truth has come out. And I found out a lot of information that we haven't heard before. A lot of it is starting to make more sense as much sense as it can be in this crazy case. I do feel that Nate is the ideal person for Melanie Gibb to talk to. I think because they are of the same faith and I think there's a comfort there that, that Melanie would feel comfortable talking to Nate as much as she can. I, I know she said it was uncomfortable, but I think Nate would be the perfect person. We love Nate from East Idaho News. I do feel that Melanie does know more um, that she said in this interview for whatever reason it is, but I would say in my opinion, it would be more about the details, not necessarily anything else, but more of the details, not that she's lying. She has been loving with all the parties involved as we can see, basically in all these three parts. The one thing that was most telling for me was near the end where she said that both of them had to be behind bars. So she's speaking in a loving way, but she's also saying, look, I love them and I care about them and I wish everything for the best, but they need to be behind bars and not come back out. I do wish though that Melanie Gibb was the one to wear a wire because I do feel like out of anybody, Lori could possibly talk to her and let her know a little bit more about what's going on now that she's had some time to think in jail and is separated from Chad. But on the flip side, maybe she wouldn't tell Melanie Gibb because she doesn't want to come across as imperfect. 
Now, many people have commented that they just can't deal with this story anymore. There's too much dra drama and why drag this on or do more videos. I do want to say this because I'd be happy for this story to be done. But at the end of the day, two children are still missing. And I want to see this case all the way through. That to me is what's most important. And all these things that people might think, well, why are you talking about this person? Why are you talking about that person? Because timeline is very important. And these people could lead to clues as to where the children are. And I believe out of everybody, right at this moment with Melanie Gibbs' interview, this is the most telling of all. And so this is important. And Tylee and JJ's loved ones, Larry and Kay, Colby's family, everybody that loves Tylee and JJ, they can get the answers they need find those kids and if it's not a great outcome give them the peace and love and respect that they deserve either way there needs to be answers now i do wonder if the next day on july 23rd 2020 if nothing happens that day if lori will actually come to her senses and say something and lay it all out so I guess we're just going to have to wait and see for that one unless they find Tammy Daybell's autopsy says something different and then Chad's going to land his butt in where she is. So speaking of Chad, there's more in his cards for him that the portal's not going to be able to point out. He does not deserve, in my opinion, to be walking around when he's as much involved in all of this as Lori from what it's looking like. Alex is now gone, so we can't say too much about him. But we can start to dig a little bit more in Melanie Pulowski, a.k.a. Melanie Boudreaux, because I feel, and I've voiced this, I don't think she's telling the truth. She's contradicting herself, and she's speaking in circles. So I think there may be a little more than meets the eye to that as well. Let's have a chit-chat below, and we'll talk about this. I know it's a lot to take in, and there's so many factors. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Click the like button and click the share button. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.